0: You'll take even a mediocre starting pitcher over a terrific closer. And maybe, just maybe, Ben Charrington's pulled that off. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. And this is Daily Shot of Pirates coming to you from Milwaukee. If you're into football and or hockey... I also offer up daily shots of Steelers and Penguins right where you found this. The Pirates lost to the Brewers here last night six to two. Game wasn't nearly that close. Thirty-nine year old John Axford was trying to make a three-year comeback out in the ninth inning, and it didn't go particularly well. The Pirates scored a couple of runs and that was that was the <laughs> summation of all the offense that was produced. But the more significant event on this night, no question, at least from the Pittsburgh perspective, was young Bryce Wilson taking the ball and pitching pretty well. Five innings, one run, two hits, a couple of walks, no strikeouts, so he wasn't overpowering, but he got a lot of... Soft contact, splintered bats. And he did that against a lineup that, as they would show later in the evening, they don't usually do that sort of thing. I asked Wilson after the game how he was pulling this off. Um, I think the big pitch was the two seam, obviously, um, you know, run it in on the right handers. Uh, I was big, and then you know the changeup in the big situations. You know the two zero, two one. You know all the counts I was behind. uh, We were able to make make good pitches with the two seam and the changeup, and I I think that's that's what helped a lot. Now, if you're not a pitching coach or a pitching analyst, I'll sum it up for you a different way. He looked like he was in control out there. Uh, He showed an awful lot of poise for someone as young as he is, as inexperienced. As he is. He spent more than half of this current season with the Braves' AAA affiliate in Gwinnett County. I, I want to throw out some caution flags here before I, I take this too far. Uh, first of all, again, his stuff was good, it wasn't great. He wasn't blowing the ball by anybody. That's for sure. He wasn't fooling anyone, at least in terms of swings and misses. He was fooling them in terms of getting the kind of contact uh, that he wanted. If you go over his game log from this season, you're not going to see a bunch of strikeouts. Just rattling these off, I see a 1, a 4, a 1, a 5, a 4, a 4, and a 2. Same thing applies in the minor leagues. He had one game where he struck out nine, but all the rest are fives and threes and things like that. He's not going to be that guy. But I don't know that he needs to be. I don't know that he needs to be great. If you go back to what I said at the very top of this about being mediocre and average and whatever, I'm kind of stating that for effect. Richard Rodriguez could be seen by some measures as one of the better closers in the game. That's a difficult, difficult thing to quantify when you're on a losing team because his saves aren't of the same pressure level as other saves. Uh, He's not dealing with the same circumstances that other closers in the game have to and you don't know how he would handle those things. However, there's no question Rich Rod was pretty bleeping good here for the Pirates Uh, In the second half of last year, the shortened season, and then all through this one. But if you take a 31-year-old closer on a team that's not going to be winning for a while, yeah, obviously, that's a very, very movable part. But to turn that part into a pitcher who's as young as Wilson is, who still has some projectability to him, meaning he can still be better. Man, I mean, that just, that's screaming W here. And when you start looking at the rest of the potential rotation, not down the road, not the kids in Greensboro, Quinn Priester and Carmen Mladzinski and all those guys, that's going to take a while. But when you're looking more along the lines of JT Brubaker, who's still a younger guy, Max Cranick, who's going to pitch here tonight, 24 years old. Everyone remembers what he did in his debut in St. Louis with the five perfect innings. And he hasn't been so great since then, but no one would be burying him at this stage. And then you're talking about Rowanze Contreras, who was throwing 100 miles an hour, as a starter, with a bunch of other dynamic weapons for Altoona. And Miguel Yahure, who was in a similar spot, would have been in Pittsburgh, I believe, all season long, taking a regular turn. But he also got shut down, and he's now back to at least throwing, getting back into that program, which would, I guess, lend hope that it won't be anything serious with Yohure and also, obviously, with Contreras. It's not super crazy bleak. There, how about that? (laughs) Is that sufficient optimism? It's It's not the end of the world with the guys in the rotation, the young guys in the rotation, and adding Wilson into that mix at a cost that Really honestly couldn't be seen as all that valuable from the view of the pirates. That's a that's a nice ad. That's a good thing for this team. How? How did I find anything good to say about that game here last night? How did I pull that off? Wow. When we come back, just one question. brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern. Directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. Home of Steak on a Stone. Home of the planet's only fully dedicated Pirates Sports Bar. Front to back, side to side, ceiling to floor. Pirates memorabilia. It doesn't change. It doesn't alter. It doesn't become a Steeler's Bar on certain days. It's a Pirates Bar through and through. And when the Pirates are on the road as they obviously are now here in Milwaukee. It's a great place to go and watch the game with other fans who will know that, you know, that's what the place is for. Today's question comes from Chris Smith, who asks, what are the chances Brian Reynolds gets a long-term extension this offseason? Management has mentioned that he's a building block. Isn't it time to show it? I first want to throw in here that Brian Reynolds is having one very real metamorphosis in center field. Um, He's gone from caterpillar to butterfly out there in the span of about two months. Back in Bradenton, this was really early, like the first day. And I was talking to Ben Charrington about what he might do in center field, what he might do with this position, that position, and he said, don't rule out Reynolds. Uh, We believe that Reynolds can be a gold glover if he stays in left field, but we also believe that he can be a very good center fielder. Now, you might hear in that some kind of dig or doubt or whatever, just being realistic. That's what a general manager has to do. They have to be honest with themselves. They're not in the Uh, the business of puffing things up and making them happy things. So that's how Charrington and presumably his staff as a whole felt. And you know what? That might still be accurate. If Reynolds stays in left and he has all that ground to cover at PNC Park, it helps his range factor, it helps his advanced analytics and everything else, and it helps his defensive grading. So... He could be in a better position to win a gold glove in left field. However, watching this guy night after night after night producing big-time catches, there were two of them here last night. One of them was probably his catch of the year, the running, diving stab that he made sliding into the grass, uh, going back into his right, just beautiful just beautiful he also made one sliding coming forward he's just become an all-around ball player he really has uh, I'm not saying that he ever wasn't one but it's almost as if he's taken on every single challenge put forth to him this year whether it was you can't hit like you did in 2020 uh, you can't play center field, and he just keeps knocking them down. Uh, you can't make the all-star team. Well, not only did he make the all-star team, he ended up starting, you know? Um, he's been out bleeping standing, and yes, he's a building block. But, but, when this subject comes up, my reflexive response to anyone, including in casual conversation, is to ask them if they know how long Reynolds already has his baseball rights held by the Pirates. And almost always they don't know the answer to that, nor should they. It's kind of an arcane thing to be aware of. It's four more years. He's a Pirate for four more years, meaning past his age 30 season. He's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. What fans want to see, and I'm not saying this in any kind of denigrating tone, but what Pittsburgh baseball fans want to see is some big, intangible, happy moment where they can believe in the ownership. And look at this. They signed so-and-so to a contract, whether it's Reynolds or Brian Hayes. And yay, it's okay for me to like the team again, or at least like the team and still hate the owner or whatever. But only about, like, five or six minutes would pass from the conclusion of this happy, happy, joy, joy press conference before everyone would realize, hey, wait a second, they can just trade him. Like, tomorrow, you know? There's nothing keeping him in Pittsburgh. It would all just be for show. You could sign Reynolds to a 10-year, $400 million deal. Whatever it is that you want to do, and it doesn't matter from that standpoint. Because they can just trade him. Well, I'll put in a no trade clause. Well he'd never agree to that. No agent would agree to that. And if they did, it would be really limited, and there's always a way to work around them anyway. Always, always, always. So this This in general, this trying to get the pirates to send you the right messages, I believe is a waste of energy i believe it's a waste of energy on their part and i believe it's a waste of energy on your part again i'm saying this respectfully so please take it that way them sending you messages doesn't mean anything them making intelligent trades like getting bryce wilson maybe them having an astoundingly shrewd approach to a draft like the one that they just had, that contributes to a winner. If they can sign Reynolds, if they can sign Hayes and and do it in a way that benefits the team. In other words, you pay out guaranteed arbitration years. There's some value in that to the player because the player then... If there's an injury, they're not going to see their arbitration backfire on them. I'm not going to get into all kinds of contract language speak for you. Just just trust me on that if you don't know what I'm talking about. And from there, you could see the Pirates buy out free agency years. And what that means is once you get past these four years, the Pirates can buy out a year or two. But you want to do it... In a way that's advantageous to the club. Meaning, most commonly, that there's a salary in place, but there's also a buyout component to it. Okay, it's a club option. At the time that Andrew McCutcheon's extension was signed, Starling Marte's extension was signed, Gregory Polanco's extension was signed, uh, Felipe Vasquez, though, that ended up being ill fated, obviously, for other reasons. All of these contracts had similar patterns to them where they bought up free agent years, but at club control. If that's something where you can work out a deal with a Reynolds or Hayes, then you go ahead and do it. But again, it's no guarantee that they're going to be here to play it out. There's no such thing as some sort of ironclad contract that says you are going to spend your whole life in Pittsburgh like Clemente and Stargell and that's that, and we won't take no for an answer, that doesn't exist. There are two parties in these things. Yeah, you could make him exceedingly happy by grossly overpaying him, and sure, he'd stay in Pittsburgh forever. But grossly overpaying him doesn't help the pirates. So there, there, it's just—it's a lot more layered than show us something. There's there, there's just more to it. I appreciate the question. I appreciate the sentiment behind it. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. We will have another one here in Milwaukee tomorrow.